Hello, this is Patrick, and it's time for Real Herbalism Radio. Real herbs, real life, real easy. Brought to you by thepracticalherbalist.com and sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, your source for high-quality, organic, bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. Visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. Aromatherapy has become a household word over the past 20 years, as has home birth, midwife, and herbalism. The herbal renaissance has paved the way for teachers and students alike to reshape the way we think about caring for ourselves and our families. From pregnancy on, more and more women are turning to natural healing techniques for managing pregnancy, birth, and in the early childhood years. Today we're talking with Demetria Clark, internationally acclaimed herbalist, aromatherapist, and doula trainer about aromatherapy and herbalism for pregnancy and beyond. Now here are your hosts, Candice Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candice Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And welcome Welcome to to Real Real Herbalism Herbalism Radio. Radio. Today we have author of Aromatherapy and Herbal Remedies for Pregnancy, Birth, and Breastfeeding, Demetria Clark. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. So you just published this book fairly recently. Wow. Yes. I know. <laughs> I, mean, and I, I really enjoyed it. And this I'm is your well, seventh? Yeah, I'm well past pregnancy myself. <laughs> 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 and I still actually really enjoy it. I found quite a few things that I thought were really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's really exciting to hear. People always say, can I use the book if I'm not pregnant? And I'm like, yeah, it just <laughs> yeah. means this stuff's extra safe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I wish I had had this book when I was pregnant. I had a couple of rudimentary books on herbs and pregnancy, and I wished that I had had this because it's more specific and uh, it has some evidence to back it up rather than just what I think some of the earlier books I had was on suspicions of how the herbs reacted. It was the primitive early years. It was guesses. (laughs) It was guesses, yeah. So obviously you didn't have this book when you were pregnant. (laughs) Are these all the tips and tricks you've used through the years? Well, some of them. I haven't (laughs) had very many problems. Um, My biggest pregnancy was I gained a lot of weight and retained a lot of water. But other than that, I mean, I had, you know, pretty much the perfect pregnancy and the perfect labor and birth. Um, I was... I was too naive to assume it could go any other way. Mm. So, but working as a midwife and a doula and an herbalist with women who were pregnant really assisted me in coming up with a lot of these different formulas because I really had to be, you know, listen. I had to be really mindful and present because every woman was so different. Mm. And especially when trying to come up with a remedy that's going to work for more than one kind of woman. Right. What was it that drew you toward pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, all of this sphere of herbalism? Well, okay, so when my husband was in the military, I was asked by the Department of Defense's family group to kind of teach a little herbalism class for parents. Okay. Um, they just kind of heard that I did it. They thought it was cool. They thought it'd be a cute little thing to do. <laughs> and sitting in that class, I was 
21 years old. Holy cow. I was like, you know, hmm, there's not a lot of information here for families. There's not a lot of information. And a lot of the women were pregnant. And so I really had to say to myself, what is it I can do to start thinking about things differently? And then when I became pregnant, I was interested in that. But I was always kind of interested because that was just another part of being a woman and being into herbs. Mm-hmm. It's like, of course, I would want to know about something that affects, you know, such a huge amount of people who are my sex. Mm-hmm. People always say, wow, you have a lot of remedies for little boys, specific things for, you know, little boys and, you know, in some of my other books. And it's like, well, I'm mother of little boys. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. just kind of like I'm very practical as a human being. So I'm like, oh. That needs something. Ah, I will go do it myself. (laughs) Take care of it. It's cheaper, faster, and easier. So that's kind of like how that happened. But I attended my first birth when I was 15 years old in a commune surrounded by midwives. So it was just kind of, you know, everything just kind of happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. So to some extent, you were maybe always on this path. Oh, no, I definitely was. There was no choice in any of it. I have the brain of like someone who can make a million dollars on Wall Street. I have like that kind of drive and ambition, like from the eighties. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I I could, ha- but it wasn't my thing. Like, it wasn't it wasn't right. my personality. So, but that that drive thing is there, and that wanting to learn more and why do people do this and people saying, well, you need to write a book about mothers because there's a lot out there that don't have lots of detailed information. Mm. They say, amen to that. And I was. You know, even as an herbalist, I'd be like, well, how? (laughs) Tell me how. Tell me why this works or how this works. And so it was it was students really who who pushed it. Well, when are you going to do that? Why are they having you do one on children? I want this one on this one. Don't think no that. It's like, okay, okay. I think that for a lot of women or for families in general, the pregnancy is the, the gateway to herbs because it changes everything. Before, you thought you were bulletproof. You could eat whatever you wanted. It didn't matter. It didn't affect anybody but you. You could stay up as late as you wanted. You could take as much Tylenol or whatever prescription medication. You didn't even think about it. But all of a sudden, life has changed. Now you have a tiny little body growing that you and you alone are responsible. And all of a sudden, all of those old patterns are questioned. And I know a lot of people that they started in herbalism and natural foods by getting pregnant. So in some ways, I think that this book and books like yours are the first book that people will now be picking up and introducing themselves in general to herbalism. No cool. pressure. Yeah. No pressure. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a gateway drug before. Gateway drug. Yes. <laughs> Thinking that as you said it. Pregnancy is a gateway drug. <laughs> no, but like, I agree with you because the reality is, is when it comes to ourselves, we don't always like go crazy about taking care of ourselves. Mm, right. You know, we're like, whatever, dude, another night of, you know, dude, extra DNTs, we're going to be fine. Right. But when we start thinking about someone else, so especially as women, when we're pregnant, we start thinking, is this water good enough to put in my body? Right. Is this, you know, is this organic GMO free or, 
you know, I don't really have the money for blah, 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 but I'm going to drive an hour and a half to the good farmer's market. We start thinking differently Mm -hmm. and we start thinking about things more fully. And I think also books like this give people options. Mm -hmm. Right. People don't always know that there's options. They don't always know that they're, they can, they can have the power to empower themselves and make choices and to make change. Sometimes people just don't know that there's something else out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. that's true. We're, we're, there is a lot of myths of out there about food and, you know, medicine of all kinds. And you were really precise in this book. You had a list of herbs that are very healthy for pregnant and breastfeeding women. And also there was a collection of herbs that you advised against using during pregnancy and breastfeeding, and you listed some reasons as to why to avoid them. But the nice thing was it didn't say toxic stay away, and that's the end. You also had, you know, if you want to use wild lettuce, for example, after pregnancy and breastfeeding, here's here's what it's good for. I found that to be very helpful. Oh, wow. Wonderful. I hadn't heard that yet. So thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, One of the things that I liked about it is that a lot of the remedies here are applicable well beyond pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, I'm looking at um, the chapter where you talk about diffuser blends for anxiety and rooms, you know, anxiety. I mean, dear God, I'm a hormonal woman. I get anxiety all the time. And Mm -hmm. often it has absolutely nothing to do with anything except, boy, my hormones are all messed up. You know, that's the kind of stuff that even well past pregnancy is really useful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that goes back to my, my uh, practical personality. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, can I use this book later and save some money? Yeah. <laughs> We've got some you know, primers like, in there. What else is it good for? Right. You know, yeah. and I, I get emails. Well, can my husband use? You know, like a diffuser blend for anxiety or, you know, backache remedy. And I'm like, absolutely. There's no, yeah. there's nothing. He's not going to become pregnant. Yep. I promise. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> has more, more options, you know, other than just pregnancy. But I wanted to try to make it really self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. So we can use this for this and this is why and this is how we can use it. And then if people want to branch off and reformulate or reblend a little bit differently for their taste and their needs, they have a solid backbone to work from. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, as the uh, duly designated representative of the male half of the species, um, <laughs> what I liked about the book is uh, you gave, um, here's the problem, here's some solutions. Here's a problem, here's some solutions. And as a husband of a frantically pregnant woman sometimes with hormones raging and she would just say, fix it, help me. And, you know, I don't, I could look at a book. I could look at, you know, what to expect when she was expecting and read, read, read. I couldn't find the solution, but something like this, where, oh, I have a sore back. I can fix that. And that empowers me to help her when she can't help herself. And that also builds, I mean, that also builds, uh, especially for a first-time pregnant parent, the father often has a lot of anxiety about exactly what you're saying. How can I help you? Because a lot of times, sometimes women feel like, well, you know, on one hand, they're like, I'm alone in this pregnancy. There's Mm -hmm. nothing you can do for me. And then it's, 
this is your baby too. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. your fault. That's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> you did this to me. Yeah. So having these kinds of solutions helps them work together as a team. Um, whoever, you know, whoever the partnership is, it gives the non-pregnant partner the opportunity to say, you know, put on their cape and I'm here mm-hmm. to save the day, my love. And mm-hmm. it yeah. works. And then it's even a bonus if it, you know, works really well for you. And then, you know, but then that and starts building the kind of trust and um, coexistence that they're going to need when they're in labor. Right. How can I make this better? He says, or, or the partner says to the person who's giving birth, I can try this. I can try that. And they're not so afraid of touching and helping each other either. Right. Yeah, we've come a long way since men waited out in the, like, lobby. The lobby. The cigars. <laughs> or yeah. downstairs on the front porch waiting for the midwife mm-hmm. to come down and make an announcement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For some parents that's what they want still you know they want to go through their journey just with a with a group of women that's all they want they some moms don't want the men involved not always and some men don't want to be involved right and sometimes the reason the mom doesn't want the man in there is because medicine's not his thing it Mm -hmm. it makes him nervous Mm -hmm. and and the mom doesn't want a nervous person there but if you're starting slowly and softly here's Here's a salve to put on your back, or here's a place I can push where it'll make you feel a little better, you know, at your neck. Mm -hmm. Then that can soften that nervousness about medicine. So that's a way of keeping people involved. But it's also very important for, at this point, for the guy to say, I'm not here to fix everything. I'm just here to, to be a support for our family. And if my support means doing nothing i could go in the kitchen and make a tincture or whatever or just clean or do whatever but at at this point this is your journey so just let me know (laughs) (laughs) so what are a few of your favorite herbs or remedies from not necessarily specifically from the book but of course i'm thinking from the book but Mm -hmm. what are a couple of your top choices that you find that most pregnants most pregnancies, birds, or breastfeeding parents could really use? Well, I think, I mean, my favorite stuff, I'll be honest with you, changes probably every five minutes. So, (laughs) like, some of the things that are really popular that everybody always wants to know more about are, you know, we have a lot of different ideas and remedies for hemorrhoids. Mm-hmm. If someone is pregnant and they have hemorrhoids, they are not happy. Mm-hmm. About <laughs> um, you know, and so there's lots of different things that you can do for that. And we have some information in the book about that. I really like things that help people rest. I often think the way that our current work environments are and the fact that, you know, in our imaginations, in our perfect world, the woman is pregnant and doing the things that are really good for her and nourishing and she can rest when she needs to. But the reality is, is there's probably a two-year-old running around, a boss who's, you know, going down their, going down their neck, trying to get them to do more work because they're going to be gone for their 
whatever, mm-hmm. six weeks of paid maternity leave. That, I don't know, whatever As it is. In that was States, a possibility. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're a week and a half and they're not going to get paid. And mm-hmm. so things that can help people rest or help them deal with stress and sleep, those are things that I really, really like that we have in the book. And then, you know, things for situations that can make a big difference. So hyperemesis, um, carpal tunnel syndrome. I like remedies that help with those because hyperemesis is becoming, I don't know if it's becoming more common. Or you're just encountering it more. Oh, we're encountering it Mm -hmm. more. But I do think it's becoming more common because I think a lot of it has to do with um, the stress that we're under and the access to certain things that we eat and drink. And, you know, there's a lot of anxiety uh, about bringing a child into the world in a different way. And so I, I like remedies that, that help with that. And um, carpal tunnel syndrome, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that when you become pregnant, you are way more likely to develop this. And having something for that can make it so you don't become partially disabled while you're pregnant and trying to work. Because if you have a really bad flare up, you're going to, you know, it's going to limit your ability to work. So that limits your ability and your access to income. So I'm going back to my kind of practical side and like things that can inhibit you from being able to support your family and, you know, most families are two parent working families. Mm -hmm. Most families, you know, even even now, I mean, the economy has gotten better, but, you know, most people are not working one full-time job. They're working two or maybe three partial jobs mm-hmm, in right. order to make a full-time income. And so things that can help with that and actually make people's lives easier are things that are really important to me. I think things that make our environment better or things more, you know, hunky-dory, rosy, or great, but I think things that actually, on a day-to-day basis, improve our lives are things that are really important to me. So that's why I like those kinds of things. So you're a a lemon balm fan, or you're a lavender fan, or... I love lemon balm, especially for women who are prone to herpes breakouts. Mm -hmm. It can really be beneficial for that it's also really beneficial for stress, anxiety, yeah. helping someone sleep. And I know most of your readers probably probably know all of that. I like our headache chai recipe because I happen to be a fan of unsweetened chai, which I guess most people think is weird. But, <laughs> but I also, since I was a child, have been occasionally plagued with really bad headaches. And so I even use that recipe now, like if I haven't, if I'm working too much, basically, usually it's when I get a headache. I think that's for most people, right? We're working too much. You have 85 million things on your plate and all you want to do is go watch your kid play football, you know? So the reality is, but yeah, you know, uh, leg cramps, Mm -hmm. uh, St. John's wore, I love St. John's wore oil. Mm -hmm. Topically to use for leg cramps. uh, Topically for le- leg cramps, or if you have a pr- if you're pregnant and you have pups, um, or if you are really stressed out, 
just cover your body. (laughs) (laughs) I always joke that I feel that St. John's wort is like adding sunshine to your skin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just makes you feel better. And it just makes you feel like you've just been reading, you know, on a beach, you know, or, you know, it just kind of gives you that to me, obviously everyone's different. But when I say that, when, when I say that to students and they'll, you can always tell the ones who go home and try that because they come back like, oh my gosh, you're totally right. But yeah. it's also for sciatica and other kinds mm-hmm. of nerve pain and round ligament pain, varicose veins. So lemon balm, St. John's wort. I love calendula. It's so good for all different kinds of skin issues. Yeah. We use it at so, clinic all the time. Yeah, the I imagine time. that yeah. you do. It's, I mean, it's because it's so... It's so safe in so many ways, mm-hmm. and it's so and you're the clinic. If I understand correctly, you're you're dealing with underserved populations, Correct. and a lot of underserved populations probably have issues with feet and diabetes. Mm-hmm. And yep. and I know calendula is so great um, in washes and mm-hmm. oils for all of that. So you got it. We're gonna get like you on board as a staff member. You better watch out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah Angela is one of my favorites from my boy was loved it. In Louisiana. They there's wanted, a there's a in, foot clinic in Louisiana? Yeah, it was it but it's like um it's a similar kind of setup to what you have. It's like a free clinic. Uh-huh. It's like a free foot clinic, but they, you know, um somebody from there emailed with me about some stuff and Herbalista? Sure. Is it the Herbalista clinic? No. No, it's not that one. It's near. It's near New Orleans. Mm. Well, send me a link. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can find it. it was a few years ago, um, but it was just. It was just really cool that you know, people were taking herbs into the neighborhoods, into yeah. different neighborhoods in different cities, and I just was like, wow, what a cool idea! I should do something like that. And then my husband informed me that I already had two jobs. <laughs> 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 oh, to, way, have, have to have yeah. more hours in the day right? <laughs> or if i just see if i was really rich then i would just pay like a good herbalist i really like to set something like that up mm-hmm. so you know it, you could you could do all kinds of things if you had money <laughs> oh sure yeah. Yeah. yeah i know i'm really good at thinking of really fun things to do that cost money they're not they're not good at making money. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what are your two jobs? You're working with the school and then what else? Well, I run two uh, educational training organizations. So I run Heart of Herbs Herbal School and I have since 1998. Uh, it really formed in 1996, but it wasn't a real, a real body until 98. And we've been online since then we were one of the first herbal schools to offer online classes mm-hmm. so many a gazillion years ago and then I ran a doula training organization I really wanted to have a doula training organization that reflect the rec- reflected the ideals in some ways of an herbalist mm-hmm. go right. back to nature listen to what you're being told trust nature trust your body and so Birth Arts International was founded in 2000, and 
between the two organizations, we've trained over 50,000 people worldwide. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. Wow, that's very cool. Well, we got to make sure that we put those links for people to check out in our show notes. And I really want to thank you for joining us today and talking about your new book, The Aromatherapy and Herbal Remedies for Pregnancy, Birth, and Breastfeeding, and sharing your thoughts on the herbal world. Now, listeners, for more information, links, and resources that we mentioned on this program, check out our show notes on Real Herbalism Radio. Make sure that you sign up for our free newsletter which includes the links to recipes, how-tos, and our e-books, which are written by us, the Practical Herbalists. And we have other detailed information on the topics that we discussed on this podcast, That we and we'll publish them on thepracticalherbalist.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Pinterest, and join us in our conversations on Twitter. Thank you, Demetra. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now it's time for herbalism and homesteading news. So I found this article um, called Don't Fall Victim to Olive Oil Fraud. It's about the um, agro mafia and it was profiled in 60 Minutes. And I just thought it was really interesting because it's olive oil and it's something as herbalists, what we use as one of our mediums. And I just I was stunned by the amount of um, fraud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a little bit disheartening to realize that the olive oil that you're buying at the grocery store at a reasonable price is probably not actually olive oil, but instead mm-hmm. it's really most likely sunflower or safflower oil that's been adulterated. Yeah, they were saying it's that really frustrating. billions of dollars were being pr- projected mm-hmm. to be made from this faux market of, you know, they mm-hmm. take a bottle and they put a beautiful picture of a Tuscan hillside and then say made in Italy, which the... In the article, it points out probably just bottled in Italy, mm-hmm. but there they have police on this. I know. And they are like, showing <laughs> you just take a, like a regular seed oil, like uh, what were they? They were sunflower. Sunflower, sunflower oil is really cheap, and then just add some beta carotene and a little a little bit of Chlorophyll. coloring, chlorophyll, chlorophyll. chlorophyll coloring, yeah. and boom, you've got what looks and smells like a, a you know the, the, the standard olive oil that, olive oil we're that we used to, used to. yeah. yeah. So that's all it takes for fraud, and mm-hmm. we Americans they don't know the difference. They have food police. <laughs> they have food police. They have food police. Yep. <laughs> yep. They graduated from being the royal tasters in the mm-hmm. castles, and now they're <laughs> now they're food police. So, but yeah, they're 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 selling it to Americans because we don't know better. So right. we think we're buying cheap olive oil, but we're buying is expensive sunflower oil yeah up until relatively recently really when you think about it olive trees didn't grow here mm-hmm. i mean they do now in california yeah They've thanks to global uh, yeah. warming oh i said that word <laughs> <laughs> so as an american citizen one of the things you can do to help make sure that you're actually getting real olive oil is mm-hmm. make sure they came out of california right because the controls are more stringent here right yep and um, if you are more of a foodie and don't want to do california you want, you want the you, real you italian really want the real thing uh there's some tips that they give in that uh story which was um look at the bottle obviously uh see a city name if you're looking for and a, it should be a city a that's actually known for producing right. olive oil right. like something in, yeah you know something mm-hmm. in sicily i guess was one of the things that that the author mm-hmm. of the article recommended mm-hmm. and there was a couple of the tips that you had. oh they they also uh 
Let's see. If it's cheap, it's probably not really yeah, seven dollars a bottle. It's, it's not probably olive oil. not. Olive yeah, they oil. were they were talking about extra virgin olive right, oil, extra virgin, mm-hmm. which is the first pressing. Virgin olive oil is the second pressing, and then pumice oil comes out of third and later pressings. Right, and they also pointed out that what olive oil really is is just olive juice. juice. They're not yeah. taking it from the sea; they're taking it from the fruit itself. Right. So make sure that you look at the date. You know, you wouldn't drink two-year-old. Cherry juice. Well, I might. You know, but, it's you all know, from the. Yeah, well, you But they're all from the the Prunus yeah. genus, which includes cherry and a, a whole bunch of things like that. And so this you, freshness is exactly what you want. Olive oil can go rancid pretty quickly. Some of the herbs that we would put into a botanical oil using olive oil can help pres- um, lengthen the shelf life of it. But if you're going to all the effort of making some herbal medicine with an olive oil base, then, you know, doing your homework, anointing yourself with rancid oil that isn't even olive oil and may absorb oddly. Who knows what it is. Yeah, what what healing property is that? There was another article that came out in 2011 on report evaluation of extra virgin olive oil sold in California. And it did have, it was lengthy, 22 pages, but that one's being questioned right now too, because they're, the background is that they said probably 69% of uh, the olive oil is not real olive oil, which people are saying, well, why? Why probably? Why probably and why 69? Specifically 69, why not probably up to 70%? So they're, right. I mean, I kind of yeah. looked it over a little Sounds bit, a little and honestly, I don't know that I know what I'm looking at. I think that if I were living not in America and I wanted to find good olive oil, I'd probably do a search on Google or whatever my favorite search engine is for olive oil associations. Yeah. Like, for instance, the Australian Olive Association or SA Olive, which is a South African one. Uh And then I would check out who their members are. And then I would start looking into which of those look like artisan olive oils and, and like real legitimate olive oil producers so you could buy online you could buy some good olive oil Mm -hmm. directly from the grower online yeah and you're paying a little bit more for it but you're paying a little bit more for an actual olive oil as opposed to going to the store and paying a little bit more for a very expensive sunflower oil right (laughs) one of the things that they were talking about there they were talking about the extra virgin olive oil and it's being marketed to the foodie crowds right for those of us who use olive oil for making soap, for instance, mm-hmm, I'm fairly mm-hmm. certain that probably the pumice olive oil you're buying from your, whoever your bulk place is, Mountain Reserves, bulk of apothecary, whatever, whomever it is, mm-hmm. is probably actually going to be pumice olive oil. Mm-hmm. Because if they didn't sell, well, you can look at the product reviews. And if, because a lot of those places are selling to people who are making soaps. Right. So if it's not actually olive oil, then it won't saponify properly. At the right temperature. Right, yes. at the right temperature right. and in the right ratios with the lye. It differs from every single oil. Every single oil is different, and in soap making, that can be the major. The difference between a batch and not, and a big yeah. mess. Yeah, exactly. Yes, which I've fallen victim to before. Right, so if you're making, if your herbals that you're making are topical only like if you want to make st john's wort that you're going to be using topically and you want to use olive pumice oil which in all honesty is what i often use Mm -hmm. because it's one of the cheapest olive oils i can get Mm -hmm. and i'm buying it from a a place that specializes in selling to soap makers which i often do right and and all the reviews are saying wow this is a great oil then i'm i'm feeling pretty comfortable and confident 
But if I'm wanting to use like extra virgin or even virgin olive oil for cooking, I'm not so right, sure. Not so much. But if you're using yeah. it for a topical and, and it makes you concerned that you're not really buying olive oil, try just a different type of oil. Try almond oil. That absorbs really well, mm-hmm. much yeah. better than olive oil. Try yep. jojoba. That doesn't even have an expiration date. Right. So, you yeah. know, if you're just going to be making a big batch and it's going to be sitting for a while because you have a small family, yep. just use a different type of oil. Right. We'll say, though, too, that this article specifically focused on Italian extra yes. virgin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are other countries, you know, Spain, yeah, for Spain. instance, that produces mm-hmm. a lot of olive oil. Right. And it doesn't charge the same uh, amount. Yeah, Spanish olive India. oil, even the best stuff is a lot cheaper it's than Italian lot, olive right. oil. It's like it can change from year right. to year. Yeah. Right. But, North African you know, oils. it's like um, same thing with the Spanish cava. Yeah. The champagne. Yeah. Changes Typically, a sparkling here. wine there is a little less expensive than its French counterpart. Mm-hmm. But I like it yep. better. So. It might just be yeah. attitude. You know, like we've got a, a notion that Italian olive oil is the best. We've and been from year to, to year, yeah. botanically, it can vary. Well, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. We've the, been educated to believe that Italian is the, cool the best. The cool part for me was seeing that there are um, olive, oil, olive oil growers that are like any winemaker. Yeah, artisan. You know, artisan, they, that's what they do. And mm-hmm. like you said, Sue, it's not a commodity that's produced like corn. Mm-hmm. It's year to year, it's going to change. Right. Whether it was too hot, too cold, too much water, not mm-hmm. enough, that's going to change a year to year thing. So you're almost going to get a vintage mm-hmm. in, the, in those olive oils. Yeah. And now granted, the fresh EDO stuff, the extra virgin, it's going to go quickly. It's not something that's going to age. Right. But that's know, why they sell it in the tiny bottles. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. Those bottles are so skinny. Yeah. But the way that they were using it on the video is like just pouring it onto their bread. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, that looks amazing. <laughs> Although I bet you if you're right there, you're probably getting a much different price oh, than right. <laughs> when yeah. it's being shipped all the way across the world. For sure. It's quite For true. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I guess the it's a cautionary tale. Keep your eyes open. Don't take anything for granted. I think that ends up being our motto for most of these. Right. Don't fall victim. Yeah. <laughs> Herbalism 101. This is part of the show where Sue and Candace answer a listener question or teach you about an herbal definition or term covering basic to advanced herbal knowledge. If you would like the dirt on herbs, herbalism, or anything else related, you can send your question using our simple contact form at realherbalismradio.com slash herbalism 101 if we choose your question for the show we will send you a free pdf ebook natural nutrition by the practical herbalist currently available for $4.99 at the practical herbalist store here's candace and sue to discuss this show's herbalism 101 topic today's question comes from ola ola asks can i infuse one batch of oil with multiple herbs at the same time to make an herbal mixed oil for example, can I throw some comfrey, plantain leaf, calendula, and St. John's wort into a crock pot, add some oil, and heat for a few hours, or do I have to infuse each herb individually? Thanks very much. Have a great day. Hola. Candice, Sue? The answer is... Sure, maybe. The simple <laughs> answer is yes, with a but. Yes. <laughs> and the long answer is no, with a but. <laughs> yes, you can. You can definitely do that. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely done that. Like, for instance, dandelion tincture, I've put in the whole entire plant, done a whole plant tincture. So I've got roots and tops. 
right. which is a similar sort of approach. This is why there's the but, because the roots typically on most things take a different sort of processing needs than the top parts. And if it's fresh, you should be harvesting fresh. those at different times anyway. Yeah, so, exactly. But if yeah. it's dry, you got it all together in one season anyway. Yes. So here, here's the deal. The leaves, when you are making a tea, for example, you put a little hot water on those leaves and you can quickly see the flavonoids, the colors come out into the tea. Mm-hmm. And the smell. And you the usually smell. smell it really rapidly. If you've got a root, which is cut about the same size as a tea leaf, and you put some, some hot water on that, it's going to take a little longer. Yeah, even if you have a shredded root that's cut smaller, a lot of times it still takes longer. Which, Some roots are yes. just kind of tough to extract. Which is why a lot of times in traditional Chinese medicine, you would make an infusion differently than you would make a decoction. So you'd boil right. the roots on the stove, roots yep. or the sticks or bark or what have you, um, to extract it because it takes a while for those plant parts to uh, let go of their essential oils or their their uh, inulin or whatever Mm -hmm. the wonderful properties you're going for and Mm -hmm. if you have something that's really finely tiny chopped a root or a bark or what have you you can cook it in your crock pot with the leaves just be more patient Mm -hmm. and make sure it's covered because those leaves have some of the fine essential oils that will disappear very quickly. Right. Yeah. I was going to say that's the second part of the thing is that some things are better processed with heat and some are better processed with cold. Right. So there's a, that's another layer of complexity. Yeah. Yep. You might want to put your calendula in there in the crock pot. That one processes very nicely with mm-hmm. heat. Yeah. You can do right. it also if you put your roots in first let mm-hmm. it cook a little bit, and then towards the end, you throw your softer things sauce. like the calendula right. or arnica or whatever right. um, at, at the very end, or the St. John's wort, you get your fresh yeah, St. Yeah, well, John's that's, wort. that was going to be my examples. If I've got calendula and St. John's wort, they both bloom at the same time. Right. Even if I'm using, whether I'm using dried or fresh calendula, heat is a good way to get that, extract that. Mm-hmm. The crock pot's a great thing. But the St. John's wort, on the other hand, does much better if you just stick it in the oil, leave it on the counter or in a, in a nice, cool, dark spot for a few weeks. Yeah. That's going to, it's a better, it'll just give you a better oil. So you could have a more developed process where you're cooking, you let it, you let it cool down after it's done and then right. add your other thing like the St. John's wort. Yeah. So that's, so that's cool. the big long answer and that where you're, <laughs> where you're calculating and factoring and all these things. If you want to go with the easy answer, which in all honesty, I've done things like this. You stick them all in the pot, stick them in the crock pot, cover them with oil, let them cook for a little bit. Kind of watch so things don't get to look too toasted because you really don't want toasted. Nope. Call it good. Move on. Enjoy it. You know, those kinds of medicines actually work really well, too. They work fine. And there's a little article on our website, Flowers for Winter, the Shoestring Herbless, or um, we're talking about just use your old teas. You know, you don't mm-hmm. want to yeah your that. old herbal tea yeah, blends. Yeah, and just preserve them by adding some alcohol. Um, turn herbal it into tea a blends that haven't been infused yet. Right, just to be exactly. Clear about exactly. That. Yeah, don't tea don't, blends that haven't don't been infused. Sift through the compost. I mean, you can if you want to, but it'll be a big disappointment. Yeah, uh, but yeah, or add some vinegar to it or something like that. That's yeah. one way of preserving last right. year's harvest, and certainly you could do that with your oils too. However, the finer chop, the harder it is to strain out. You have to be very yes. patient. When you've got silty stuff and you're straining already very thick oil, get a really good 
couple of layers of cheesecloth. In fact, when you're cooking it, you could put some cheesecloth between the crock pot lid and the crock pot itself mm-hmm. to kind of preserve some of those lovely uh, essential oils before they leak out into the environment. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Real Herbalism Radio. Your hosts have been Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. To find more information and recipes from today's show or to leave a comment or suggestion, visit us online at realherbalismradio.com. If you're feeling social, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thepracticalherbalist. Don't forget to look up our ebooks and herbal folios at amazon.com. Use the search terms Practical Herbalist. This show has been sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, purveyors of high-quality organic bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. You can visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. If you'd like to sponsor Real Herbalism Radio, just contact us through our website at realherbalismradio.com slash contact. Until next time, this is Patrick with Real Herbalism Radio and The Practical Herbalist.